Lucky you. 36 best holes in golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about golf. Sandy. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) Billy Regan, welcome back. I know we were just uh, at this recently. We're really busy with the Alternate Shots podcast, aren't we? Yeah, and it looks like our special guest is Ben Hogan today, which I think our, our listeners will love to hear from him. Well, not only that, but you and I will get to talk more because we don't have to listen to the special guests talking. Not that we don't mind that. No, they're always fun to listen to and they put us on different paths, but our random bouncing around from stuff works too. (laughs) Do you think old Ben would like the new yet old logo? (laughs) I don't think he'd even notice it. (laughs) Kind of like Claude's hole-in-one. We'll talk about that one later. What did you want to call this episode? Golf swings. And I don't mean, you know, my kind of golf swings where I can win $40 one day and lose 200 the next. I'm like talking double, about... Redouble, redouble. Where you're as up the Harmons would say, the guys who, uh, with swings that the that the ball liked. The ball yeah. liked the swings. And who more than Ben Hogan fits that description? Guys and gals. We'll talk about some gals. We'd like to dive into a few as we get on. But, you know, you you have to talk about the people that made money in this game. Start with Bobby Jones, one of our faves. He won the first major championship at Wingfoot, the 1929 Open. It wasn't easy for him, but he had a swing that could repeat. But, you know, uh, what about Nicholas and Palmer and Gary Player? They made lots of money, right? Yeah, and players got that distinctive follow through where he's actually walking away from you know towards the target. On, he's on walking the, out of the he's walking out of the picture. <laughs> yeah, he had to hit last in his group all the time, or the other guys would have been hitting into him. You know, we should check with Billy Harmon because I think back in the seventies, there were a lot of guys taking lessons at Wingfoot, and I think my dad brought this to my attention. I I, I noticed it after he did. He said. But he said, look at this guy over there. He's on the range and he's practicing this thing. I said, what are you talking about, dad? And he's just standing up the ball. He says, wait till he hits the ball. And at impact, he starts walking toward nine, nine East Green. He's just like player. And right. I think that's a little Claudism, right? The, the unintended genius teaching that player move. Yeah. Oh, man. But you got a bunch of great swings. We're going to go over. Some in depth, the uh, you know, we love Sammy Sneed's swing. Uh, I always like couples, and I thought Steve Elkington had a great swing. But I'm, you know, I'm an amateur at this. Golf Digest rates them one way. We're just, we're just giving you our point of view on these things. You know, you don't. These aren't for the Guinness Book of World Records, the best swings of all time. Yeah, but, I think but I just had that list that you that you showed me with Hogan, Mickey Wright, Tiger Woods, Adam Scott, Sam Sneed, Gene Littler. Tom Weisskopf, Sebby Ballesteros, Payne Stewart, and Freddie Couples. That was their top 10, at least at some point. And Mickey Rogers, too. And yeah, it's like golf course rankings. There's all subjective. Tiger Woods, they have here. I'm not sure there's any particular order. Three. Uh, Adam Scott, I think everybody that's watching this podcast now could imitate Adam Scott's swing or try to anyway. It's so elegant, just like he is. uh, You know, we're going to really delve into Sam. There's some good, there's some Sam good. Sam and Slammy. Slamming, slamming Sammy. 
you know, he was he was best friends with a old Wingfoot member. Anybody that's been to Wingfoot, oh, Hank Malfa and Dave Marcato will remember a guy named Bill Davis. And anybody that worked in the golf business, you know, Alvaro would know Bill Davis. Bill Davis founded Golf Digest. And he had to play as an obligation every year. He'd go down to where was Sneed down in the West Virginia or wherever he was at the the, uh, the Greenbrier. The Greenbrier. The Greenbrier, right? Yeah. And he'd had Ed show up there for three days and Sammy would say, Okay, Bill, what are we gonna play for? And poor poor Bill was like a struggling 16, but his handicap at on the system at Wingfoot was a 12 because he was in the business. He couldn't tell me, but I'm the publisher of the founder of Golf Digest and I'm in a 16 handicap. So he was a 12 and I caddied for him a lot. Never, I don't think I ever no, I did play with him a couple of times. He shot somewhere between 85 and 100. So he's sort of literally a 16, 17, 18 handicap. But Sneed would get him. And even at 18, he would put the money down. Bill Davis didn't have a chance. We'd come back to oh, that. Sneed's on a list. Littler. You said uh, buddies with uh, Tommy Aporti. Good buddies, right? I think they were friends. Yeah, Joey used to talk about Gene Littler. So I, I'm assuming he knew him growing up. Yeah, and Littler had a great swing before and after. They took out his limp notes. Yep. You know, same, I don't know if anybody did an analysis before or after Weisskopf, who unfortunately passed away this past year. They were talking about him lots at the British Open. Good, good he swing. signed a lot of courses, too. He, he had a long golf career. You know, the word was in 74, if you remember 14 West, the same is true today now that they've extended the tee and moved the bunkers toward the green on 14 West, the one on the left. There wasn't a bunker on the right in the 1974 Open no. at Wingfoot. They 14, they call Shamrock, and everybody thought it was because of the shape of the bunker, but it was actually the shape of the green. The shape of the green, which was restored and a little bit. Yeah, if you look at the overhead of the green. But in 74, leading up to it, they were talking about that. And Gary Player tried to carry that bunker and he was well short of it off to the right not in the bunker but pin high with the bunker to the left of the fairway on the side hill and i saw him try to hack it out of there and he cold shanked it he Ooh. couldn't carry that bunker they said only two or three guys that could carry that bunker nicholas watson and wisecott wisecott probably carry it with the three when he was just so darn straight and high and long yeah, he was a big boy too right he was tall very, very tall and slender. And then Sevy, not sure he'd make my list. Would he make yours? I got to say, the swing, the ball liked his swing, whichever particular swing he was putting on it at any given time. He found his way around the course. That guy was, uh, he was a player. But I don't, I don't know his swing well enough to, to remember that I'd want to emulate it. Well, I think the best thing we can take from all these swings is uh, that we can actually translate is tempo. There's old pain. He, oh, you talk about tempo. Beautiful tempo. You might get mesmerized by this output if you if you saw him swinging. <laughs> yeah. If you got like that little thing that doctor was get this little crystal. <laughs> it's number ten. Oh, Freddie. All right, good. So let's go back to number one. Over to Ben Hogan. Can you see that? Ben, there's Ben the, with the hat on. Yeah, this is some great old footage. Look at this. They're talking about, see the, you could tell which driving range it is now. He's hitting little wedges. Doesn't take it back very far, does he? 
Not for those shots. He and John Rahm would have a kind of identical backswing. Now, this, this footage, they say he's changing clubs, but the only reason you know he's changing clubs is the caddy keeps moving back another 10 yards each club. He's hitting the same swing each time. Look how close his stance is, right? He did that on purpose. He liked to dig that right foot in the back. Here we go. Talk about his stance, right? There it is. See, he's about to address. Look at it. He's not finished standing up to this ball. Watch what happens here. By the way, this is the only tips you were ever going to get from Ben Hogan. Right. He, in one of these uh, sequences, he's got a cigarette in his mouth. And uh, that just didn't seem to bother him. But wa watch this. Watch the shine of the club. Oh, look at that. You can the see the, 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 the lightning lag to that, right? And it's in slow leg. motion. Look at the high finish. There's the cigarette. Watch, watch his legs. That was his whole thing, the lower body. You know, who's watching him over here on the left is uh, Venturi. You don't see him in this picture, but he was in the picture before. Someone told me a story once about a guy hitting balls on the range, and Hogan walked by, and he said, Mr. Hogan, how about a tip? And Hogan said to him, well, what kind of clubs are you hitting there? He said, I'm a Titleist. He says, well, why don't you ask Mr. Titleist for a tip? Yeah. The guy in the uh, Hogan-like hat on the left, that's Venturi. Yes. Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah. But look at it. He's got no gloves. He's got no endorsements, nothing on his body. Old pair of gray slacks you'd wear, wear to church, right? The suit yep. is, look at look at the way he takes his stance now. Left foot open in front, and he moves the right foot back a little bit. It's even more pronounced when he's got a wood. Let me see if I can go to the wood. All right, here, look at this. Look how far back that right foot is. Yep. You would do that, Billy, today, if you were on the left side of 16 West and you had to hook it around, right? I, I might try to. Jimmy Graham could do it. In fact, Jimmy Graham's swing looks a little like this. No tension. No tension here, right? Look how straight that club comes back and then the, the uh, bottom of the grip facing the line. When he when he turns the club up, the bottom, you know, the bottom of the grip is still on that line. Yeah. I just love the way he's coming um, from the inside to watch his elbow on this swing, how he tucks it in there. The right elbow. See that? Yeah. Slamming slammy. Slamming stamp. Slamming. Is Sammy next? Yeah, this is cool video from the 60s. Why don't you set this video up a little bit, Billy? This is 1960. Where are we? It looks like we're in Florida. I think it's Boca Raton, uh, Florida. But it, it just has the feel of the 60s. Uh, that's about when I started to learn to play golf, right around 1959, 1960. And I can remember that was the days when the guys would go out with the towels hanging out of the back of their belts and the spikes that weighed 100 pounds a, a shoe. You know, things have changed so much. Well, so much. That was That's an overhead of the Boca Raton Hotel. And that was the standard of excellence, that and the breakers back in now, the now, now everything's much greener at these places. 
There's Sneed hitting. A little overhead dizzy. People who don't don't like overhead uh, get the throw up bag ready. There's that handsome devil. Look at yeah, him. But you think like no one wears a hat like that anymore. You know, they don't dress like that anymore. They don't drive the same cars, but I'll tell you what, anybody would be happy to swing like that still. That that should not change. No glove. Yep. This is 1960. In 1974, Wilson had just a ton of pros. Sammy was a Wilson pro back then. I don't know if he ever went to Ben Hogan. You know, like they have, they all had that big trunk pro bag with the, oh. Yeah, so pretty good swing for Snead, eh? Yeah. Ball, he's talking about ball placement. Look at this. Watch this shot. He's going to go over this palm tree in front of him. He's probably got a nine iron out. People would be clamoring for a 64 degree wedge, and he takes a nine iron over the thing or a wedge. Puts it in the back equalizer. of the Yeah. Remember the equalizer? Yeah, the equalizer. Look at it. Look at this. He's putting. That ball is going, going, it's gone. But Come we're on. here to shed light. I had to put Mel Allen on there for you, Billy. Yep. I know you love him so much. So, who do we have next in our lineup? Steve Elkington. This guy had a sweet swing, very, very good tempo, effortless. We have to ask Steve if he'll come on the podcast. So, um, look at just the same friend. tempo every time. I mean, effortless, just like uh, Hogan. Yep. It's incredible. I mean, that that's, was probably with the three. That's iron. the dichotomy of golf. You know, the the harder you swing, the, the the shorter the shot. Same swing from the rough. I wonder if he was ambidextrous because those. this is Westchester Country Club. Look at this. Oh, yeah, look that, at Westchester. Look at that. No, it's not. That's uh, that's out on the West Coast. That's Riviera. Yeah. But he probably like played it. at Westchester when they, they used to have the Manny Hanny there. I'm sure Elkington played there. Yeah. Our friend, maybe he'll connect this with Steve Elking. He's best friends with him. We'll see if we can uh, get him on the program. Because Yeah, he was, he was a good player. He was on the President's Cup team um, for the wrong side. Uh, down at uh, Robert Trent Jones. I forget what year. One of the original years. Yeah, you got a little swing in the black and white. Look at that. Yeah, now we're dating ourselves. Nothing changed. All right, so what do we have next? We um, Susie wasn't that long, but Judy said she was. Judy Rankin said in our podcast episode, I think it was 63, she was fairly long, 235, 240. What was Judy coming in at about 115, 120? Yeah. She was a very slender, athletic person, but she said Mickey could hit it. She probably hit it about 250. But yeah, but think about Roy McElroy. not a big guy. I mean, he's strong, but he mystifies the tour guys. They're like, this guy's so little and he hits it. <laughs> Who hits it further than him? But look at her. Look at how athletic she is. Look at the high finish. I think if you uh, silhouetted her head, you might be looking at Elkington. Yeah, or all, all, all her swing. 
Who and knows? you can see how how focused she is. Yep. And her look at that. Um, if I can say it, her belly button's aimed right at the target, right? Yep. Same Remember thing with Sam Sneed. Same thing with Ben Hogan. Ranking couples. We don't have to go see a pro. We just gave ourselves a great tip. You had a, a an interesting clip that you wanted to talk about. This is yeah. a little grainy. Why don't you uh, talk about this one a little this bit? It's very old. Uh, W.C. Fields, who was an avid golfer, watching Bobby Jones. And this is, I think, from the Bobby Jones series. He did a bunch of these little short things. But he's he's telling W.C. Oh, William Duncanfield. Hello, Bill. What's the matter, Bill? You look a little discouraged. Bobby, you've spoiled my whole day. I've given up golf. Oh, it can't be that bad. It's worse. You know, you don't deserve any credit <laughs> hitting the ball with that swing of yours. Try to hit one with my swing. <laughs> well, you do that pretty well. Oh, uh, well, I've devoted a lot of time. He to was it. the world's greatest juggler. A lot of people don't know that about Fields. I never knew that. Go over and hit a ball for me. You want to laugh? No, I want to see if I can help you. You brought it on yourself. <laughs> Possibly the funniest human being that ever lived, in my opinion, W.C. Fields. And time's gonna time's gonna take uh, its toll on guys like that. But it's always good to revisit those those old guys. I know we're getting a little off the subject, but that's what we do in our podcasts. Yeah, you know what, what did you call this? Uh, the swing golf swings. Yeah. Golf swings. Yeah, in a gambling game, that's when you there's yep. 20 feet on a par four and three chipper. <laughs> I'll give you a true story. He missed he missed 17 east, probably 30 yards long and left. And the pin was on the crest on the right side. This is 17 east of par three. So we double them. We're we're 10 feet for uh uh with the greenie or four foot four feet left for the greenie. And uh, Chip takes the double like the what the hell, why not guy that he is. And Doesn't care about money kind of guy he is. And holds and holds it. Holds the chip shot to the holds left. It. No one could do that. I give Tiger Woods 100 shots at it. He's not doing it. And that ball hit the bottom of the cup at the same time the redouble echoed through the world. At the same time, the profanities echoed from my mouth and drop. No way. You win. I surrender. Yeah, you you didn't take the, the redouble, did no, you? No. As soon so, as it went, I was like, we're <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get either Birdman or uh Bobby Collins on, and we're gonna do a gambling episode of the big game 40, 50 years ago at Wingfoot. So Billy, we can't leave out the golf swing without talking about our favorite villain killer character, none other than Sean Connery, James Bond. Bond, James Bond, excuse me, I said that backwards. Bond. I wonder if I get as many propositions from beautiful women. But you have to say Regan, Billy, <laughs> while you're lighting up whatever it is you want to light up. So yeah. uh, we we should tell. I like to light up the room. What's that? I, I just like to light up the room. Yeah, you're going to light up the room. Pew. Better turn <laughs> off that propane tank. You might really light up the room. Yeah. Um, so we just, I mean, it's hard to tell from this picture, but 
we think this is a scene from Stoke Park, right? Yep, that's where he is in Stoke Park. He's about to take down the very dangerous Goldfinger, who cheats and Bond cheats better <laughs> by, by hiding uh, Goldfinger's ball and then calls him on the strict rules of golf all over uh, his cat and mouse game, which, you know, as Goldfinger says to Bond a little later, you messed with me once, I would have thought you learned something from that. You know, yeah. having painted, uh, who was it, Shirley Eaton? Right. But that, again, we go back to that movie. Almost in the beginning, they start out at the Blue Hotel with a guy going off a high dive yep. into the pool. And they're looking through the windows where the spectators could watch people going and swimming around the pool. Or ice skating. Into an ice skating rink, right? Yeah. Everybody yep. does that, and that—that's back from that same nostalgic age is uh, when we were watching Sam Snead at in, uh, at Boca Raton, the same the same era. This is only a couple of years later. This is uh, Sam Snead. That was sixties. This is sixty two or something like that. Yeah, Stoke Park, true. and yep. the wager is made. The brick, the, the gold, gold. Brick yep. almost hit Goldfinger's patent leather toe. Yep. All right. I hope they repaired that ball mark yeah, you need a big divot but you need a hoe to fix that divot <laughs> yeah. go, to, go to the hardware right. store get me a hoe okay. I need that as my divot repair for the for the bank of england's bar of gold um so let's take a look at uh i believe we got here with james yeah i think he was actually a good golfer sean connery so i think there may be an interruption for a swing but let's take a look at what it looks like uh, in real time, got a good stance, right? Got the Sam's yeah. pipe hat on, right? I think this is going to be a putt, right? Oh no, this is uh, yeah. Whoop! Strict rules of golf, right? He's pretty good stopping like that. Look at odd job in the background there. That was a great follow through. Yeah, so we just wanted to see that swing of any. He, he really the game like of golf from this movie, as you remember, right? Yeah, but this little this little, this fellow here didn't like that. He, <laughs> he liked the the whole ball switcheroo so much that he made took the uh, ball in his uh, hand uh, uh, like a marshmallow and went yeah. threw it out the Rolls Royce, the yep. big Rolls Royce window. All right, let's go see who else we got here. Uzi. Yeah, and actually, he's got the moving target out there that we all. Hope for on a good day at the range. He led him too. He hit it to the left. He knew the guy was taking a left. I mean, you think this is a repeating reel, right? But the cart's gone, so it's you know yeah. the cart's way out there at this point. We learned we learned from Eric Flores, our aspiring PGA Tour friend, that if you just two putted most of the greens and occasionally got one of them to go in, you'd be tops, right? Yeah, but not without a swing like this to, to start you off, because I can two-putt most of the greens. The trouble is reaching them in regulation. Right. If you go back to the um, Boyle Lake Open this last weekend, um, Scheffler, putting woes. Now, Rory, maybe not on Sunday, because he had a pretty good round, but he still left a lot out there. I mean, on Sunday, Cam Young was making everything until Sunday. You know, it just wasn't his day. I don't think he had any chokage or anything like that. I think just 
wasn't his day. I think if Louis Ustay's a good Ryan Harmon gave them a putting lesson. He he was ridiculous. Oh, he I did. At one point was 46 for 46 and 10 feet in and in. Until somebody gave him the announcer's curse. I don't want to, I don't want to pin that one on uh Brad Faxon, but somebody they kept doing it and he kept making them, so it didn't matter. There's no curse. Right. But look at that outside. Look at a position. He knows where his club is, right? He knows okay. where that base is. Speaking of speaking of Brian Harmon, we saw this one here. This is an interesting one. So you got Ben Hogan on the left, right? Yeah. Ben this Hogan was very talented. He did he, ambidextrous. Yeah. Ben Hogan and Brian Harmon, your buddy. Real all business guy, isn't he? Real quiet, all business. He's all business. I, I knew he was not going to fork over that lead. He's he's just uh, he's made of sterner stuff. Yeah, they were talking about his mind races and stuff like that. I'm sure that's 50 percent of the guys in the 100 top 100 on the PGA Tour. Their mind's racing. To figure out how to deal with it. Uh, I guess Brian deals with it, but he waggles a lot, you know. But he doesn't hit till he's ready. Bob Tway's brother is his caddy. Yeah. He's Brian's caddy. So obviously a professional among professionals, probably in the Caddy Hall of Fame, which people don't give caddies enough credit. Yeah, I mean, the caddy's got to keep the guy's head in the game. He's got to know when to butt in and when not to butt in. He's got to keep the equipment. And yesterday, for instance, dry all the time. So it's not an easy job being a caddy. And they, uh, and, some of them are so good and so necessary. And I think that uh, there's no question that the caddy was a, a big part of Brian's keeping Brian's head in the game. But Brian, by, by his nature is, you know, he's a pit bull. When he gets his teeth on it, he's not letting go. I think he was a beneficiary of the rain and the inclement weather. If it was 60 degrees, 65 degrees and a little kind of sunny-ish, those fans would have been much more boisterous for, let's say, yeah. first, Tommy Fleetwood. And then when he faded, when um, Alex Fitzpatrick bolted up the leaderboard, yeah. they picked on him. And it, the way it worked out they yesterday. Were Brian, they were heckling him out there. But, you but know then they started, he started to pick up fans. And the appreciative open championship fans yeah. knew, knew yeah. he was battling Number two, Rory McIlroy, and number three, John Rahm, and the rest of these guys right. that all wanted to there, pick him up. There was no malice in their heckling. It was just part of their job, and he survived it and won them over. Except Straka, you know, they would have been they, – what they. it's like a tennis match when the favorite, let's say Djokovic, is down two sets to love at Wimbledon. They were, they were rooting for the local person until then. Then they start rooting for Djokovic because they want to see him win. Right. <laughs> also want to see three more sets and three more hours right. of tennis. The yeah. only people who stick with their original rooting interests are those with money on them. Think so about golf. There's so many guys that you'd like to see win. It's, it, and how gracious they are to each other afterwards. I mean, Fleetwood congratulated them. They, you know, it's a, there's a community there of golf and everybody that's in it understands the swings of golf. They can go all over the place. And when someone survives it, they all appreciate that. And that was a survival. It wasn't the greatest open. I think the venue, maybe we've talked about this a little bit, isn't the greatest venue. You know, it's kind of hard to wait till the 17th hole till you come to it. Although 
The seventeenth yeah, hole, little eye hole, one hundred twenty-five thirty-yard hole. I'm being critical of that, but you know, the seventeenth hole is the big hole at the Players Championship. But there's yeah. some other memorable holes before that. All the par threes at that tournament are good. Well, you can see the whole hole, and a lot of those, you, you know, you had to take the coverage's word for it, and the and the teletrack or whatever they used to, the track tracer, the shots, because you can't see the whole, you can't get the picture of the whole hole from the tee. On the little par threes, you can, but on some of them, they're like he wants to keep it down the right, and you're like, all I see is, you know, gorse. I think the quality was questionable in my mind. I had to stand up and go next to the TV to see where the ball was on the TV. Oh, yeah, I lost it a few times, too. I think the camera guys were having a hard time, especially in the weather with mm -hmm. some of it, to follow a golf ball or a baseball. Because you're looking in a viewfinder to frame your shot, but you're never going to see the ball in there. So you have to take your head out of the viewfinder, find the ball, and then get the camera on it and then follow it. So. You're starting out of here and then going back in. It's true with baseball, too. It's, it's, it's just not as easy as they make it look. 50 years ago, was the trajectory of a home run about the same trajectory line as a home run today? I think so. The reason I asked about the trajectory of the ball, of a home run, that is clearly not the case. 50 years ago or 40 years, 50 years ago when Calvin Peak played golf or when Jack Nicklaus played golf, the ball went... A lot lower, maybe a third to absolutely fifty percent lower because of the the, the height the ball. they hit it now would have been a pop up then. Even Brian Harmon's getting trajectory, and they're carrying two eighty. Yeah, like that. It's, it's what do you think about this golf swing? This Calvin Pete, what do you have? A withered arm and had to deal with that. And look that right <laughs> there. They say when you see that line, there's the front of the, the line is the shot from his tee. That's nah, going over. You don't I see another line. No, you can't even see the down the down line because it's on such a straight line. I got to believe he was one of the tour leaders in accuracy his whole career. I think he's either one or top five. He's the straightest ball hitter. Um, you know, we go back to Bernard Longer and we talked about him, but who would win between he and, and Nellie Porter? We may look at her swing in a little while. But Longer in the senior U.S. Open they kept talking about how he was shorter than he was a few years ago. Let's say he was 10 yards shorter with his driver. Instead of hitting at 255 yards, he was hitting at 245 yards. And they're not playing the same length as uh, the British Open was this last weekend, or the Open Championship, rather, this last weekend. But he was hitting three woods. Why? He put a premium on the ball in the fairway. Yep. Yeah. And these guys are so good that that, you know, for you and me, you know, you're in two inch rough or something like that. It's not going to make if you got a good lie, it's not going to make that much of a difference than a fairway lie, as long as you have a good clean lie. But for these guys, it makes a whole lot of difference with spin and where they want to land it. It's, you know. What about this Mickey right here? I mean, look at this. Just perfect. You could say this is Elkington. We talked about that, right? Yeah. Maybe even. Yeah, that's a good golf swing. Everything's on the left side after impact or yep. almost that impact. Look at that. That was a straight shot, too. You could saw it come on the green and just roll straight. Yep. And here she is. Size. Look at the size. Hybrid. She's hitting a hybrid. No, that's her driver. It's like a, it is. It's like a seven wood. She really got into that one. 
now I can understand why, uh, was it Judy Rankin said she had such a beautiful swing? Yeah. Here's another hybrid prior three with That was her going for a par five and two, and she hit it over. Oh, <laughs> bullet. Look at that. Oh, she's in the bunker. Let's see what she's got off the, this angle. This is a better angle. Let's see what her swing looks like here. Oh. You ever think about putting it right there in the hay? <laughs> <laughs> Could happen. Could happen. <clears throat> Ever seen anybody hit a hit the tee shot and hit the markers? I have. I, I, this is a true story. I was playing in at Admirals Cove in Florida with my friend Rick Miner, who was a very big guy, and Ralph Kiner. And Ralph and I were standing shoulder to shoulder behind the tee where Rick was hitting, and Rick was learning to play golf. And he was a big guy, and he he slammed this thing. It never went higher than this off the ground. It hit the tee marker. The next tee marker up and flew back between my head and Ralph's right past my ear head yeah. high at 80 miles an hour. I, I was like, holy mackerel. And I, and Rick was like, oh my God, I, I, I just, I could have taken an eye out. And, and Ralph said, yeah, that one didn't miss us by much. And then got up and peed off like nothing happened. And I was like, I'm still shaky. And then I realized, you know, that was like an, a high inside fastball to Ralph. He's been seeing him his whole life. He didn't even flinch. <laughs> he wanted to ask the umpire if that was in the box. <laughs> this ball came back so hard, it hit the street and went all the way. It, we never even went to get it. It went like a half a mile down the road. It was a bing. Down ball marker and almost took your ear off. Yep. And if I can find Rick Miner and get him to watch this, he'll, he'll, test, he'll attest to that. I love everything about this golf swing. Yep. You know, she's she so good. You can just see all the uh, muscles working together. You know, this is the part of the game I have trouble with. Look at that. See, these girls have learned how to play golf, not how to play women's golf. They know how to play golf. Well, I think she's hitting it 270, 280, right? That's what I mean. Learned from Judy. I mean, you go back to to the Nancy Lopez days and and stuff like that. As good as those ladies were, there were amateur men that could could, could outdrive them. That's not so. I mean, I'm not talking about top amateurs. I'm talking about eight handicaps. Is this Westchester Country Club? This might be Westchester. Would that be seventeen? Kind of looks like it, right? Could be the seventeenth oh, tee. Look at that action! Wow. I don't know where that is. Twenty-six greens and regulation, seventy-three percent almost. Yeah, she's she could just hit that ball. Look at that. And her her entire family is just athletes, top to bottom. Yeah, they, they know how to be professionals. The father was a professional tennis player. Top so brother, too, right? Yeah, the brothers. Yeah, the, the parents have got three top elite athletes, the two girls and the brother. Yeah. Who knows? He might be a good golfer. He just might have said, there's too many of us in the golf game. I got to try something. Like else. my cousin Owen, who didn't pick up the game until it was like his fourth or fifth sport. Well, let's finish up with Tommy Weisskopf. Golf and architect, too, right? You have to you have to 
always in in nostalgic ways look at the clothing these guys were wearing and, and look at this like grape pants and argyle grape sweater and that was like the uniform of the day back then green pants or orange pants as the game changed like i say the game changed the clubs changed the ball the equipment all changed but the swing hasn't changed it it it, it it's been basically perfected on some level or another Maybe it's been tweaked here and there, but it's it's basically the same swing. Look at the people behind him, though. There's enough polyester back there to choke a horse. <laughs> I mean, look at that woman right behind him, that that uh, blouse she's wearing, and the guy to the left with the green. Hmm. Yeah, the green don't thing. Light, don't light that match. Don't light up the day. <laughs> the plaid pants. Does it look like a blanket? You know, uh, Chipper's father was Chip Archer's father, George. You, you know George, right? I, I never met George. I know Chip very well. Well, George's locker was right next to mine and, and uh, Wingfoot, and we grew up with him and knew the family since I could probably walk. And uh, he loved playing golf with my father. My, my father loved playing golf with George, much like the way I like playing with you. George always had a story. And he'd say about the guy behind him, George was in the garment business. He would say to the guy back there who's got a shirt that doesn't match his green pants. He's got the sweater that doesn't match. He said to my father, he said, see that guy over there? Another happy customer. <laughs> George, <laughs> George sold polyester. <laughs> he has... Well the apple didn't fall far from the tree. It's not polyester now. It's insurance, but he's a salesman. How this thing looks. This this is a three-wood, doesn't it? Or, it's hard to tell. That looked like a three-wood, but yeah. This is, he's a little older here. I should have gotten a better clip, but this is enough of a clip right here. I mean, let's look at that one again. Let's stop at the top if I can. I might not be able to do it. Yeah. I mean, how about that? Yeah, you that's, think he's that's athletic? A, that's a very fast backswing. Exactly. It's so fast, he's still in his backswing, but he's got two-thirds of his turn. He's about to launch his belly button toward the target. Yeah, he's gonna have his to left hip's out of the way. Yep. And his, both of his legs are like, they're kind of like he's on a skis and he's and he's got his legs yeah. kind of in position. Yeah. Hips are going the other way. And everybody, everybody's just focusing on this. This is incredible. And look at that turn. Look at the muscles on his, uh, whatever you call that, his back, left side of his back that's turned fully. Yeah. I think I, I'd be in traction after that. I think so. Remember John, remember John Daly's swing? He he came so far over that he almost hit his left ankle with the back of the driver on the back swing. They're never going to be able to fully explain John Daly's move because they're never going to get into the real reason he's so good, and it's his hands. Great he's hands. Good, great hands. And they, there's a story. Maybe he told the story. when he He didn't fly. He'd go around in his van. Yeah, and he was not playing. He was at the van, maybe when he was drinking, whether it was diet cokes or beer or whatever he drank. He had one of those 
like at the wing foot the driving range have those little small golf bags where the balls are in yeah they're, they're also sold as garbage cans or whatever for right, your yeah. study and he would hit balls one-handed left-handed 500 a night right into there and many of them he would make you know oh, yeah holding them out shots and and it, daly's hands were incredible and that that the transcendent was great too what's that he had a great attitude it was um nick price's wife had a baby right i think i'll take your word for oh, it yeah i think it, the story was nick's wife so she had the baby he had a pull out uh just before the day before the tournament they got daily and uh daily drove all night and uh didn't have a caddy so he used squeaky a little squeaky the guy that was caddying for nick price on a regular basis caddy for daily and brought him in and he was going oh, down the 18 17 18 hole with a little red solo cup ben hogan and ben hogan no question ben hogan sums it all up if you could swing like him the, the, the day is it's all done go backwards couples tempo yeah they he, he was interviewed in his playing days he said he hadn't missed a shot yeah just it's everything solid i think that you know i think all these guys hit it solid the chipping and putting god still sitting there jason yeah. day how bad did jason day hit it he's off dead left he puts it puts it in the hole yeah like you would putt it, but it goes in the hole. And if it doesn't go against that pin, he's 12, 15 feet. This is on Saturday. And then on yep. Sunday, similar shot, he chips it in the hole. I mean, come yep. on. There's another and guy. Spieth, Spieth short game is usually very good. These are the guys who love the game enough, have good enough swings, and uh, and no quit in them. So they scrambling is part of their repertoire. I think if Payne Stewart had Brad Faxon at the time when he was in, he was tee to green as good as there was. And he would, if you go back at some of these, now one time, I think it was somebody chipped in against him. Maybe it was Azinger, hit a bunker shot in the hole and he lost the big tournament. Right, I think it was Azinger. But he he did miss a few putts. How right were we with Xander Schofley and Tommy Fleetwood? Yeah, they can't, Guys they can't, can't close. Well, let's say they haven't closed yet because I don't want to. No, they haven't closed yet. Any of them. Golf is golf, but and they're both such great players. But somehow you you need that extra thing in you at, at the right time. And you know, there's days when you know you can make everything, and there's days where you can't figure out how to bring the club back. Uh, you know, that's those those swings are different and less you know less volatile among pros, but. You know, they're people. And on a given day, you know, Fleetwood's going to start making putts and then he's going to win. But it just hasn't come yet. Yeah. I mean, I think from the moment Seve played professionally, he was probably 19 or 20 or something like that, right? He was closer. Yeah. Well, he had it all. He was born with it. The only time he didn't close was in the 86 Masters, right? Didn't that where he had the lead and he had a four iron on the 15th hole and he just cold pulled it in the water. And that was the one Nicholas one. He had a lead and a guy like Seve, you know, expect to pull like blue dart it in the water. Just yeah. deep cell pull. And the thing is, if it wasn't in the water, he would have recovered from it because guy like yeah. Seve would recover no matter where he hit it. 
Gene Littler, not a very big guy, kind of like the size of Brian Harmon. Beautiful golf swing. They talk about George Knudsen, who we didn't show, but Knudsen, Canadian um, gentleman, in his prime, they talked about his swing like uh, as much as they talked about Sam Sneed. Well, look at that finish, Sneed, and it's just like so relaxed. Yeah. And, he, and Adam, you were you're right. Adam Scott, putting, you know. Putting. Stop changing putters and just go Stop get some advice. Putters. Yeah. Hit the ball go, in the go, hole. Go make a million ten footers until you're making 990 million of them before you go out next hit time. Hit the ball, hit the ball. Because he hits the ball great. I mean, yeah, he hits it great, I mean, but then he's got, you know, that the putting, I always I, I always sort of cringe when I see him get over a putt. It, it doesn't look comfortable. Yeah. This guy could putt. He had a 10-footer for your life. Who are you picking? This guy or Jack Nicholas? This guy. Me too. Jack Nicholas maybe on 28 feet, you know, where he's down low, like on the 16th hole at Augusta, and he had a putt up high. But this guy, I, they should do a stat. How many important putts did these guys make? And I think Tiger's got to have the record. I, I, I would say if you were of 100% of the putts he needed to make, he came close to making a hundred percent of those back in the day. Maybe not as he was, you know, starting to ail a little bit, but I can remember watching him. I don't remember what tournament I was down in Sea Island with a bunch of guys and we're watching him. He's got like a 25 footer and everybody's like, does he make it or doesn't he make it? I said, he has to make it. So he, he will make it, which he did. I won 10 bucks from everybody. <laughs> I still and have. What about there was one where he, the ball's going and he's going like this, it's going in the hole. Maybe that was against Bob May in the PGA or something like that. It was, right like that. Yeah, he was going as the ball's going. Yep. I don't think anything was more deadly than the putt he made in regulation was to, to high um, mediate. Rocco, I mean, there was a Cinderella story. Yeah, where, where, the glass, where the sister got the glass slipper. The sister got the glass slipper, but, you know, in Tiger's defense, he had a broken leg. One of the open that with a couple of breaks in his leg. Yeah, I think I'd have to. One of the most memorable putts I can remember was Justin Leonard in the Ryder Cup. Oh. And the started. early celebration, right? Yeah, the early celebration, which is still a little bit disconcerting, but understandable. Well, that's because they had lost so many Ryder Cups. Yeah. <laughs> little Ben Hogan. I'm sure that Claude said under his breath a few times, Ben, the ball likes your swing. I'll say. In fact, the, the balls in my shop are asking if they can go out in your bag. The caddies, you know, shagging back in those days was a common occurrence, just like caddying today. Yeah. In the old days at Wingfoot, you could caddy for a guy for nine holes, one bag, and make five bucks. Remember, uh, Hank Malfa said a loop was five bucks. Right. You know, if somebody took you out nine or ten holes on the East Course, they'd almost pay you what the whole round was. They weren't going to give you 250 Right. Five bucks. Or you go out down nine East, you know, the, the hedge, the gang behind the hedge, as Malfa says, and all those guys, they would employ caddies and they would go down there in the fairway. And they could basically do that any time of day because when guys were coming up on nine East, the caddy would move out of the way. And uh, Caddy would make the same money. He'd make five bucks. So 
shagging for Hogan, where you're going like this. Okay, that one, that one, that one. Okay, that one over here, that one over here. Did you see me move my legs? <laughs> I met a guy once who caddied for Babe Ruth at Leewood when he was a kid. And um, after the round, Ruth gave him a uh, an autographed ball. And the guy said to him, that ain't worth blank, Mr. Ruth. So Ruth gave him 50 cents. He said, thank you very much, Mr. Ruth. <laughs> and didn't take the ball? He probably kept the ball too, but he didn't realize <laughs> what that ball would be worth today. So here's the question that I want to ask you. I know you got a lovely golf swing. You hate to get rid of it. <laughs> I know you have a lovely golf swing. I've heard I have, it from all I your have nemesis. several lovely golf swings. Nemesis, all your nemesis, Chip and... Uh, Plowy and our friend Chris, Paul, Tommy Bahama, all those guys love your golf swing. Now you got to turn it in. Okay, you got one choice. Whose swing are you taking? And we'll end it up with that. Couples. Ready? Couples. Yeah, because I figure with that comes, you know, body and, and the flexibility. Yeah, and I'd be I'd be calm. I might take longer because here's longer, 65, 66 years old. He's playing golf. If you like golf, you still want to be good at 65 or 66. Yeah, He's got it. Two dopes doping out the uh, Travers is coming up soon. Horse racing oh, and also gambling. Yep. A couple of weeks to the Travers, the, the summer derby. It's been great, Billy. Talk to you, man. Thanks for joining Billy us Casper. today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please Marky. subscribe to the Two show Ratter. and hit Claude the bell Harmon. icon so you get notified Movie classics. of new episodes. Mark Gable. Hit them hard job. and hit them off. That's 36 holes.